Welcome to C-Suite Radio. It's time for another edition of The Brett Allen Show. It's go time, you and me! Join us weekly for the latest pop culture interviews from your favorite TV shows, movies, comedians, and so much more. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you, it felt good. Plus, you never know who will drop by. What happened here was a miracle. Now, here is your host. I said throw down, boy. Welcome to the night's main event. Brett Allen. I'm excited for today's conversation. I know I say that a lot, but I really do mean it. We're talking to Michael Carbonaro today. And the cool thing about this is you're coming to Colorado April 20th, which is very amazing. Uh, Yeah, my son and I, we got our tickets. We're coming to see you. We're making the trek from where we are. You're close. So I can't wait, but thanks for your time. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you too. That's right. This yeah, is we've, very... been, we've been in Colorado a bunch now. Yeah, so we be... haven't been able to make it. Well, we've only been here just about a year, so a little over okay. a year. So um, when I saw you were coming, I just recently, over the summer, started watching reruns of The Carbonara Effect, and my kid, he's nine, he's obsessed with you and what you do. It's just, <laughs> it, there's some classic bits, like the wireless soda dispenser is probably one of his favorites because he loves soda unfortunately well i shouldn't say unfortunately but hey the question he asks me kids love soda they do they do yeah and uh he's always asking me you know can we make something like that and i'm like i don't think we quite can i don't want to spoil things for him because the the fashion and even for me too the fascination is there but i want to ask you right out of the gate when you have people come to your show people who have watched you on television and that sort of thing, what can people expect in a live show? Is it similarly the same or is it mostly stage magic and that sort of thing? Uh, it's all of that. Yeah. It's stage magic for sure. Um, I, I, I think a lot of the Carbonaro effect TV show was stage magic too. It was just not on a stage, right. but um, maybe it's a little close up magic, a little stage magic. Uh, but the live tour show Obviously, everybody knows I'm a magician, so it's a little different than the TV show. Um, but that doesn't stop me from being able to prank people, which is pretty amazing. Like, still be able to pull the wool out from under your eyes. Um, or, no, pull the rug out from under you or the wool over your eyes. Uh, it's got audience participation. I bring people up. I come out into the crowd and play with people. And there's always that person that I have. There's that unknown factor, which is what I think really... I loved about the TV show is that there's this, this electricity because you never know how it's going to go. It's a different person that I bring up or I'm playing with each night. So for me, I'm always on my toes and, um, you know, things disappear. I make two people from the audience disappear during the show. Um, I prank somebody on stage where the audience gets to see it happen and the person on stage doesn't. I teach a prank. Um, and then it's just a lot of I guess the people get to meet me as more of the like the master of ceremonies, the host, an actual showman, magician. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool. I mean, <laughs> I've always been fascinated with magic. As a little kid, my grandfather worked in a magic shop and, and just oh, really? going. Yeah. Well, I'm obsessed Where? in Kansas City, Missouri. 
Uh, There was a magic shop that worked. He was, he did everything. He helped build the place. I mean, I, I, I have to tell you, I'm a magic nerd. I love it. I love everything about it. I do a few little things for my kid. He likes to oh, watch nice. like the multiplying rabbits, the colored dye, you know, show reel has been a fun one yeah. recently. That How I've old been... is your kid? He's not 30. No, yeah, okay. no, <laughs> just kidding. No, I'm 49 <laughs> turning 50, but he, you know, show reel is a fun one. I'm learning. It's just yeah. kind of cool to watch. And even though I get some of it, it's still fun to just watch the allure. We went to yeah. the magic castle uh, stayed at the hotel. They came out and did magic for us over the sure. summer. It's just so fun to watch. And I would just be enamored and I can't wait. Cause I think what you do is just so fun. And I think the element of surprise has to be one of the best parts of it, even though people have seen you because you just don't know literally what to expect. I would imagine. Cause it's just, yeah, it's so fluid. Yeah, I all of that stuff is so amazing about magic. The everyone, you know, it it really is amazing. You say the allure. There's always just something so exciting to be shown something that for a second just makes your brain turn inside out and you're like, "Wait, I didn't think that was possible." Like I, I just didn't, you know, the, there's a little trapdoor in the universe I didn't know existed. You see something disappear and you're like, "Wait, hold on a second. You know, and it kind of like just ignites your brain on in a different place and i think that there's people like you and me who are kind of nerds about it like it kind of hooks you right when you're a kid and you're just drawn to it and um then there's people who you know really enjoy just watching it and not knowing how the secrets work um and i think what you know the the draw of performing for even with the tv show the carbonaro effect and my and the stage show it's really about like having fun, like everyone just kind of having a a good time together. You know, it's like, yeah, the magic's amazing. And you might be like, wow, how is that done? But that's not even, the magic is sometimes, I think when I perform almost a means to be able to be doing, you know, this, this is the, 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 the secret thing that is the reason why we're all here is that we're like going to have a good time together. We're going to laugh. We're going to be, you know, uh, sharing this moment this evening and the magic that we're doing is just sort of there as a something to do. Now, I mean, not, not to underplay the magic. I love magic and people are drawn to the magic and I love doing it, but it, there's something about like, it, it's the experience of performing as a magician is way beyond the tricks. I think that it's really about creating a whole experience for people in a show and a good time. And that's what I'm loving doing. Yeah. I, when I watch things, when I watch you or say other folks like Adam Trent or all these other people that do this, it, there's just a moment, well, even watching the show, one of the things, well, there are many things that I loved about that. It's just the moment that you get to have with people. I think that to me, as you emphasize, is just really special because like we're having this conversation in an interview format, which is really cool. But then that's a special moment, but then seeing you on stage or on television and just watching people respond to you, it's, um, I feel like magic, just the whole thing is very emotional, almost a spiritual experience in a way, because it's just so different than any other form of entertainment that you might be able to see. You know what I mean? And I think that's what you do and what makes what you do so fun because it's different than anything else. Yeah, me too. I agree. 
yeah. So let's talk about the show because that was a lot of fun. And I recall it sort of around COVID pandemic times, things stopped, but I've watched other interviews that you've done. And if I'm understanding quickly, that show was a lot to do. Like I can't even imagine the production side of it is one thing, but then going from location to location, doing tricks, having people who, who know you and see you, which you are real a little bit of that on the show where you kind of people go, I know who you are. What were those moments like when you were in the the throes of that show and just producing it, whether it be in Chicago or were other places that you went? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, the first two seasons were in uh, Atlanta. That's where we started. And then the, the next three seasons were in uh, Chicago. And yeah, there's kind of a, I think people kind of just assume that COVID is what shut the show down, which is not true. I, I right. brought the show to an end. I was like right. ready to end on a high note. I, I never, when I first dreamed of doing a hidden camera, you know, I was like, I want to be the Ashton Kutcher of magic. I want to like do a, a kind of punk type show that's, that's with magic tricks and have, and, and in my mind, I'm like, man, if I really put my mind to it and grind it out, I bet I could come up with like, maybe 10 solid episodes of great hidden camera magic. So I can't believe how much with the team that I put together and got to work with uh, that we were able to do. I mean, we blew ourselves out of the water time and time again. And I couldn't believe how many tricks we were coming up with doing. And it was incredible. And I far surpassed everything that I wanted to do with the show. And it was like just starting to get to the point where, you know, both, both I had done what I wanted to do and beyond was already there. And you just start to feel it. There's a time that's like, it's time to put this one to rest and look on to another project. And then there's also the grind, like you mentioned of the show. I mean, it was really uh, mentally and physically demanding of a show. It was, I'm so grateful for it. And it was amazing. And I'm so proud of the work that we did on the show, but it was really, um, it was a blender in my mind. I mean, it beat me up for all the time I was doing it because in order to do it the way it needed to be done and the way I, I wanted to control and be able to make everything great, I had to be there for, you know, obviously all the writing and prep of the show. I, you know, a lot of times on a show, you know, you have a team who does the location scouting and then you have after you shoot, you have the people who are, you know, well, you have the people who write it for you and then you do the show and you record it and then you have the people who edit it in post-production. But for me, it's like I was there writing it. I was there location scouting because it's magic. I had to be on the ground and check out these places if they'd even work. I was at every production meeting. And then when we... after after being in, on camera all day long, every day in these new locations, trying out these tricks and doing all this stuff. I, I then once we were finished would be in the editing room. Like I cut every frame of that show with these editors. Like we sat there, like magic is really tough to translate on camera. You have to make sure that the camera is not seeing the trick or you're getting the great reaction from the person while the magic's happening. It's a real different language. So I had to be involved in all of that too. So by the time we were done, editing and the show started it was it was time to start writing the next one so the, wow. the the ride never stopped so it was like um all five seasons were just like i think i got like one 30 day break in that whole ride and um yeah it starts to just wear you down in a way that to me it was like okay this is not a uh sustainable structure 
that I would be able to keep doing this like this without like really starting to disconnect and lose touch with like what I'm even doing. It's like, you start to feel like you're like the network wants you to make more chicken nuggets to feed the people. And you're like, well, I need a minute to kind of like think through <laughs> what I want to do next. And like, what's going to be great next. It's like, no, no, you got to do it now. And you're like, oh, okay. And then that was like starting to catch up right when I'm like, you know, we've gone well beyond and that's catching up. It's like, you just feel it. You're like, it's time to bring this to an end. So I chose to stop the show after the fifth season and I uh, ended the last episode of the Carbon Arm Effect series by turning into a kid. That's the final episode. I remember I so badly. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I remember. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, it ends with me as a kid and I don't even come back. Like the kid reveals you're on the Carbon Arm Effect and the credits roll with the kids. And I just thought that was the best, like Peter Pan flying out the window ending to that series. So I remember that so clearly because you know, that was just such a cool moment to end things. Um, and I appreciate you educating me on that. I know the time was simultaneous, obviously, but that was just crazy. Um, I want to ask you about that because one of the things I've learned from talking to great people like yourself is sort of behind the scenes as far as the as much work goes into doing these things and there's so much that we don't see or most people don't see. They see the final product, you know, 25, 30 minute episode. We laugh, we go, this is amazing. But the other side of it is very stressful. When you're in the midst of that and you've got the pressure that you're putting on yourself, trying to do the very best you can do. And then you've got the industry side of things, the network going, we need this now. Like how do you off gas and just like, maintain your sanity because that's so stressful i would imagine yeah i'm not sure i did you know i i don't think so i don't i totally was going insane i mean it was um it was like uh it's 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 it you start to go into your the reality becomes completely distorted i i was spending most of my day on camera with with an earbud with people like talking to me from the control truck everything i say can be heard so i'm like just constantly being like surveillanced and then as soon as it was like okay we can stop for a second to have lunch there's a thousand questions like you you start to lose those like spaces where you need a, a minute to just like allow your brain to re let the neurons reconnect and have just like a ah moment to kind of so th those are very hard to find and i'm not sure i was finding them or, or or it started to become um i started to become conscious of the fact that the the, the that it wasn't possible to find those moments and that's what started to really like oh that you know this to be able to sustain that and still produce a great show and they tried everything like well what if we have like the, the people write it for you and then what if they edit it and you could take a minute and it was like yeah but then i can't make this then I can't, we tried that. We'd like, then I would like be shown what I was supposed to. I was like, Oh, but it's like, my, I don't know how to do it. I had to like, in order to like sell it on the day behind that counter in front of that person, it was like, had to be like part of, I like, had to be in the writer room and like generate that myself to be connected to what this work even was. So it was like a conundrum. Like we want you to keep doing that thing, but in order to make it, you know, I mean, that's, I think with any project, I think in, in any movie or television, you're always up against the the clock and everything needs to be faster and tomorrow. And I mean, yesterday and 
But um, no, I'm not sure I was maintaining that kind of sanity. And that was one of the reasons where it was like, okay, I have a limited, it's time. I know everybody wants to keep going, but like, I think this is, you know, before this breaks to a place and there were days where it would break. I mean, man, I had, luckily my magic team was so like friends of mine who really helped pull me through. I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. Um, but, you know, we, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I did maintain a sense of sanity during it. It was definitely uh, an insane warped reality that I lived through for that long. And I'm still like, I haven't shot that show since I think 2019 was the last time we shot it. And I'm, I'm still sort of mentally healing from that crazy, crazy ride and process of making that show, which is completely different than doing the live stage show where you know, live stage show is like, and I've done other television shows too, like guest starring on stuff. And I was in a, a film as a lead in a movie one time. And I got to like take that ride, which was stressful also, but it was just completely different. There was more time to find those moments to yourself because everybody else had their thing to do. Um, so, but I still, I'm sort of still kind of, my head still spins after that ride. That's crazy. I mean, yeah. It, not un, in an and it's just magic tricks you're like it's just magic tricks like, well yeah we but i think there's but so much like, more to that like no, there is <laughs> like so let's say you're filming there's episodes i think of like you're in a marketplace and there's mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of people coming in and out and you have people come up to you on the average how many times do you have to do something an, an effect or an experiment mm -hmm. whatever the case might be probably got four shots at each bit to try and wow. catch the right kind of reaction from someone before we had to move on to the next one. Yeah. That's insane. And That's it is insane. Yeah. Totally. And it was either people awesome, know you or they go, Oh, I know. Or they just not into say, it. Yeah. It, we did. We did. I would say maybe like, uh, I don't know, maybe toward the end there, I would say that in a public place, maybe three out of 10 people, would recognize me right out the gate. And we always knew right away. So that was, well, you could just sure see someone, just... you know, like you just see their reaction, like, oh, oh, they, they know. So that was helped. Some of the disguises really helped. It was amazing how many people I would go through the whole experience with who then I would reveal to them. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I've watched that show. But yet I just was in this whole experience with them and fooled them because I guess you just like, you know, out of sight, out of mind, you're not watching TV. It's just different when you're in that environment in fact if you recall there's one in one in the last season we did there's a great uh segment maybe one of the best narrative type act four final you know bit of the show uh tricks called the witch tenant where i was having somebody help me kind of turn a house around to be flipped and sold and did the former <laughs> yes. tenant arrived and it was like all this weird witchy stuff around and and she arrived as a young woman and then right in front of the guy turned into this old woman. And then that old woman turned into a cat, like these crazy things happen in that. And the guy really believed it. Um, it was amazing. But there was one other person that I had done that to who freaked out, screamed when the person turned, when that young woman turned old, she, the, the lady just couldn't take it and freaked and ran out of the house. And I had to like go out there and get her in the street and, be like hey hold on hold on and like and i explained to her i'm like i'm michael carbonaro you're watching a i mean i'm, I'm recording you with this hidden camera tv show and she was like oh wait a minute she's like i know that show she's like oh oh yeah she's like i've even seen your live tour show 
And, but so it's, I, I was like, what? So here's a woman who knows the TV show has seen me perform live on stage and yet still just being in that environment on that day, just didn't connect the dots until I said it to her that that's what was happening. She was more willing to allow her mind to believe that she just like witnessed an actual witch in front of her than to kind of put the pieces together that, you know, and it's just, that just really always fascinates me about how we can live on so many different realities and channels like TV is TV. I'm in my real life right now. And she's just not connecting the dots. Pretty well. I could see that. Like if I were in New York and you know, somehow stumbled into an impractical jokers sketch, not a sketch, but like something yeah. that they're running, even though I've seen the show a million times, I would probably get sucked into the moment because you just start thinking, especially if I had my kid with me and we're like in the midst of life, father, son moments where I'm like answering questions and we're going through the day. But I just think it's cool. I think you're cool what you've done and just how you've made so many people's lives better. I know you've talked about this in other interviews, but I'm interested to know just from a different perspective, like where did this all start for you, uh, Michael? Like when did you know the magic was something that you were interested in and it just consumed your life and, and here you are now? Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like magic kind of comes to you I, I like you're you're it's it feels almost like i was just it, it was part of my instinct to just love mm. anything that was it, all aspects of the art of illusion just something about you know whether it's filmmaking or horror special effects i loved monsters. i wanted to be a makeup artist first before anything else i loved movie monsters and special effects and things you could do behind the scenes puppetry that make this monster look real but this is how it really functions i was just so excited by that like anything that you could do to manifest like a real something from your imagination and see it actually happen in front of you was just it was just like inherent in my soul i just loved it and i really think that i you know that was the love first before there was really the love of performing like i i didn't even kind of know i wanted to be a performer first it was really more about creating those mm. special effects and i you know to be a a movie makeup artist was was my i knew that's what i wanted to do i was like so sure of it and i it was through it was a weird little story where i would uh, I, I, I was practicing special effects makeup and I was making a, a Freddy Krueger monster mask. And I, I went um, to a local magic shop where I'm from in Long Island because I had heard that they had like masks there and makeup around Halloween and that there was a guy there who knew about special effects. And I was trying to find a kind of paint because I kept painting my mask and it would, the paint would crack when the, when the mask mask was flexible and I could not find the answer. We didn't have the internet. And I was like, how do you, what do you, how do you paint something with a, with something that's flexible so that when the mask moves, the paint doesn't all crack off. So um, I went to the magic shop in Hicksville, Long Island to, to ask this question. And there I was, and I got the answer that you like mix, like uh, kind of like an, an adhesive into the paint so that it turns more flexible. And while I was at that store, I, I was like, just checking out all the magic tricks. And I of course was always watching David Copperfield, which I was very drawn to as well. And I started like looking at 
you know, it, it's, there was something about the wonder of what was present in a magic shop that really opened up like, well, I love all this stuff. I love magic tricks. I love jokes. I love like pranks. I love horror. I love like all, it was all here. And so I started picking up some tricks, learning them, and I would show them to my friends. And then it was like through that performing of tricks that I really kind of, my personality was like finding its way through in a way that when I was doing makeup, like alone in my basement, like making a Freddy Krueger mask out of play all alone is like one world, um, which is a beautiful world, by the way. But the, but getting to be in front of people and like being quick on my feet and making them laugh and, and creating these moments and using my, I started to like develop the love of performing, which then led to a love of acting, which is still in that same world of like creating an illusion of something. So it was an interesting little trajectory that I still bounce around with a lot. You know, I still like talk to my manager and my agent all the time about like, we got, I want to get more like television work, just acting roles and comedy acting roles. Like let's get it on a sitcom. Let's do, you know, more movie stuff as well. Cause I love like all of those aspects of illusion. Wow. So well said. I, I, I can relate in so many different ways. I think in some ways, which has, influenced me to do this and and just talk to people and peel the curtain back so to speak it's just so cool <laughs> i just there when i watch your show i always think to myself or anything that you've done what would i have done if i had been in that place at that time and run into you like how would i respond because i think it's so intricate and so artistic and just you're a great person and i feel like the moment would just be fun in the sense, even when I spoke to Adam a couple years ago and he, we started having this conversation, he's like, have we ever met before? Have we ever talked before? And I kind of felt like the entrance to a moment where he was going to perform, which he didn't. And I wasn't expecting it, but it's just that connection. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, when you meet people and you meet your fans, I know you do meet and greets for your show. Is there a common question that you get asked a lot where you go, OK, I know where this can you look at their face and their eyes light up and you kind of know almost in a premonition sort of way, like, you know, okay. Can you tell me how you did this? Do you get that a lot? I'm just interested to know. No, you know, it's funny. A lot of people in the meet and greet very like, they don't ask how the tricks were done. That's cool. Um, which is pretty neat. I, I do find a lot of like, I feel like there's a bit of relief when they come and see the show, the live show, like having been a fan of the TV show when they, get to see me right in front of their actual face on stage performing a trick that's real that they kind of like because there's a lot of people who think that because it's on tv it's camera tricks or digital effects or editing tricks and actors and it's not real people so like they all those like suspicions and accusations swarm around and justly so because there are a lot of people who do stuff fake like on the internet there's like all these pranks that aren't really pranks and it's like people they get suspicious so uh there's sort of like this excitement to be like i was right there and you actually did one of those tricks where you were standing over there and then suddenly you were standing next to us in the audience and we have no idea how you teleported and i thought you could not really do that in real life like maybe that was just a camera trick like that's amazing so they like get so excited to see that it's real and by real i mean of course a real trick but not like you know so there's that and then there's um you know, a lot of people, a lot of people ask, like, when are you going to bring the show back? Like, is there going to be another oh, I'm season? Sure. Like, that's a big question, you know? And I'm always like, no. And I've got a whole bunch of different magic projects for television that have been kind of 
been in development and we're trying to find the right angles to frame them and sell them and get somebody to, to, it's a long process. Um, and it takes time and I'm, I'm excited. Like I've got some really killer ideas for new television magic stuff. Um, that when, if it clicks and it moves forward and I get to pull it off. Awesome. I think a lot of people think they're like, Oh, you have another show. We'll just do it. And I'm like, <laughs> like, Okay. Um, that's not how it works, but, uh, no, not even close. No, no, not even close. I know. I know. And I, I, um, I feel like, you know, a lot of times that there has to be a respect for, you know, I have a lot of sometimes I, I, I never, it's, it's possible to miss something without wanting to have it back. And I missed the Carbonaro effect, but I knew this, I never thought to myself that I made a mistake in bringing it to an end. Like you just, it was time. And it's like that, that took its ride and it was time to look ahead to something else. And I've been working on, especially going out on the road and getting to meet fans and perform in a live situation. And I'm sort of this character that they don't get to see on the show. They're like, Oh, you're like a a showman, like a, like a Johnny Carson, like a leader of, you know, master of ceremonies host. You're funny. A lot of people say that in the meet and greet. Like, I didn't know you were so funny. And I'm like, wait a minute. What do you, I thought my show was funny. And they're like, no, your show is funny, but like, you're always playing like a serious real person on the show. Or now you're just like kind of letting loose in a way that we didn't even know you were so funny. And I'm like, yeah. So like, how do I bring those worlds together? So like a lot of these projects were based that I'm working on now with like how to take that persona and bring it into this world of, you know, Carbonaro that I've created where not only do I get to kind of let myself be more of that presence, but also get to bring on people who are fans of the show who now want to be part of it. Cause that's another thing that comes up a lot. People say, Oh, I love your show so much. I wish I could be on it, but I know who you are. And you're like, right. But like, isn't there a way that you could be part of this world, even though you know who I am? And the answer at the live tour show is yes. So like, what's the TV version of bringing that all together? And that's kind of really the the impetus of how each of these projects, and I've got like four of them, they're all kind of the same thing in a weird way, like all roads lead to heaven in my mind. I'm always sort of working on the same like thing, like whatever the illusion is going to be, but there's kind of like different channels that these projects are taking so it's which is good because hopefully you know some network or streaming service or you know production company kind of takes to one version of taking that ride and hopefully having a bunch of them out there at once just trying to get it get it together um something will something will move and fly um and if not that's okay too because i you know when i did the carbonaro effect i was really I had, I had an offer from NBC, like after I was working on uh, doing first the segments with Jay Leno on The Tonight Show, I that's where I really started doing hidden camera magic. I was doing yeah. these segments on The Tonight Show with, with Jay Leno. And NBC was talking about like, hey, is there a whole show here? And I'm like, totally. Because like since college, I'm like, what's the special effects magic, like candid camera show? So I was like, oh, already like, how do we take these little things I'm doing on The Tonight Show and make them bigger and greater scenarios? And I was ready for it. Um, but when I met with them, it just like they weren't seeing it. This They were like, well, who would be the host? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I would be the host. <laughs> They're like, oh, I don't know. I think maybe we would hire like a Neil Patrick Harris or someone to be the host. And then maybe there'd be like other people like you doing this, these tricks. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, no. Nah. And then I, they didn't want to give me any control. And I was like, eh. 
And I had nothing else on the table, but I turned them down. And like, here I was in Los Angeles, you know, with no television deals, you know, and, and here was NBC, like a major network with an offer. And I was like, that's not it though. And like, I knew that wasn't going to be what it, what it needed to be. So I have a kind of alarming, sometimes to myself, alarming sense of, uh, uh, or, uh, just, I don't know, confidence or there's a bolt There's something like where I'm just like, nope, I'd rather wait for this to be right and to do the thing that needs to be done so that people can experience it. And that was like one of the coolest lessons and decisions I made was just kind of taking a pause there and going, no, not until this is like going to be able to be built. And I think a lot of other magicians, I've, I've had magician friends who kind of get lost in the TV world where they're like, oh, and then we recorded it. And then when I saw the way they cut it, it was a mess. And then it didn't look magical and they shot it from the side. And I'm like, oh yeah, you gotta like, you gotta own all that. Not like, you gotta be in control of all that. You can't, you have to structure these things so that you are the artist. Like, and it's so hard. I mean, it was really hard, but true TV and Simon Fields, the producer who came to me to put together a show for true TV really trusted what I had done before and what the vision was and really offered me that like control where it was like, you know what, you are the expert of that. So like, we'll, we're going to listen. And not that we didn't fight a hell of a lot all the way through as, as every show does, but like, they really did trust, like you're the magician and you know what you're talking about. So we'll allow you to have that control. So that was probably one of the most important things. So I always think about that when I'm like sort of being like, Oh, I want to get one of these new projects off the ground. And it's like, ah, if someone doesn't see it, they don't see it. And we just wait or move on or what. I love it. So you have obviously demonstrated even in your younger years, such a sensibility of business and, and wise decision-making. Do you attribute that to family, to parents, to the way you were raised as a kid or maybe influences of other people in your life that really taught you the business savvy, or is it just a natural thing that you feel that you have? You're very confident. Obviously you have to be in what you do, but it exudes. I wish I was making those types of decisions at such a young age, but yeah, I'm interested wow. in that piece. I think that will be very interesting to people who don't know you or yeah. who think they know you in some sort of way, whether it be on television or, or meeting you somewhere along the line. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing to hear because I never really, I know it's show business and you really need to know the show and you really need to know the business, but I, I do rely on a lot of other people to help me along with that business side of so many things. I'm actually to hear you say that. And then to kind of like rewind in my mind, what I just said, it does kind of create that picture that like, I'm um, this like, business savvy kind of guy. And I guess there is a lot that I should be proud of. And maybe that's why I kind of like underline it in an interview like this. I'm like reminding myself to like hold to those, you know, truths and guns, so to speak. So, uh, cause I kind of like usually think of myself as not like strong enough in that world. Like, oh, if I had been a little bit more business savvy, I'd be able to funnel this through better or push that project through or be more of a, a hustler, you know? Um, so it's funny because I don't really have that perception of myself. Uh, and I have a lot of, you know, people on my team, as they say, my manager who I kind of throw that to. And it's like, I'm like, here's what I'm thinking about this. And here's why it makes me nervous. And how do we like protect that and let them kind of say, well, you know, it's 
you, if you, if this is what you're most concerned with, let's start here and make sure that that's there. And like, I, I'll sometimes be really like, I'm not going to move until they say that. And it's like, well, let's not start there. Let's start with like, what do you need? And then let's like, make sure let's like present that and see if, you know, like that, that they're amenable to that world and let's build it from the positive place instead of like start, you know, like I probably, you know, I, I might just like us <laughs> structure that meeting all in the wrong way, like being on the defense and being so concerned about all of those things. Um, so I do rely on the help of others on how to kind of like craft what it is I want to have and be secure about and allow them to like help me figure out how to, how to get that on the business side. I love it because I think about the fact that when you get that first offer at a young age from NBC, most people when they start out in this industry are hungry and young and not that you weren't and will just take everything and anything. And then I talk to them now and they're like, Oh God, I wish I wouldn't have done this or I wouldn't have done that. But hindsight's always 2020, but the fact that you stood your ground and you yeah. went the way that you did, I mean, things could always be different, but yeah. Obviously and I still you've have had those so too. Like yeah. I have some things <laughs> along the way that I'm like, oh God, I wish I didn't say yes to that or I didn't do this. But like, <laughs> <You're> like <laughs> but no, it's funny because I had a, the one lawyer that I had off, asked for their advice in looking at one of those early TV contracts. That, you know, they were like, take the show, like do the show. They're like, you know, no, not a lot of people get an offer to be on television in this town. And I was like, nah. and I was like really glad that I didn't. So, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine they're like, we want a Michael Carbonaro type, you know, not you, but the the old standard, you know, what he kind of like you looks like you acts like you, but we don't want you, which happens a lot in your business, unfortunately, but that is the nature of the business, I guess, from what limited experience I have just talking yeah. to people because it's so weird, like how it works, but I tell you what, you've been impactful on our lives, your show. I mean, as we watch it all the time, uh, it's just fun to watch. And clips of you doing your live show on YouTube. I think that's what's cool about your business is that you have all these ideas and all these things you want to do. And that is what keeps you going. One last question I have to ask, like out of all the things that you've done, all your experiences and interactions, it's a two-part question. Number one, do you find validation important to you, whether it's in an interview, people saying nice things about you? And two, if so, what do you find the most validating in what you do in your business of, of illusion, magic? I mean, storytelling, I feel like is really what it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, I try very hard to remind myself that there's no amount of validation that someone's going to like say to me that's going to really make the difference sometimes you feel like that's what you i feel like that's what i need or want someone to give and i that's what i'm like hungry for but i've you know throughout the course of my life and different projects i've done i've heard the most beautiful and incredible things from even like famous people who've said really generous and wonderful things to me about the work that I do. And then yet you're there the next day, like still hungry for that validation. And it's like, you realize that there is no amount of validation that anyone is going to give you, you know, 
that me that is going to feed what I'm really hungry for, which is the, the knowledge that I'm validating. I, I feel validated with my spirit that I'm doing what I want to do to the best that I can do it. And I'm happy with that. And that's the validation that has to be satiated. And if there's ever a time when I feel like I haven't hit that yet, you know, and you don't want to be too much of a perfectionist that you don't do anything. But like, sometimes if I have a secret dream that I haven't quite pulled off and I know it's like on that back burner and somewhere inside, I'm never really going to be happy until I get that thing across the line. Um, nothing anyone says is going to fix that. So it's like always kind of reminding myself to return to, all right, well, what's going to make me go? Yeah, you did it. That's what you wanted to do. Even if everyone hated it, you know, what's going to make me go that, but that's what I wanted to do. And I'm so happy I did that. Um, so that was the first part of the question. And what was the second part? Well, second part is you answered it really. So there's not really any, anything in particular that you feel like you need to validate you just the fact that you're doing good work and people appreciate what you do. I mean, that in itself has to be. Yeah. You know, I, I will add, and it's not to say that it's not awesome and wonderful because like I was saying, there's a little bit of that. Sometimes the perfectionist part, which I think as artists, you have a vision for how something needs to be and you have all of this stuff that you want to do or haven't hit the mark on yet. And there's a danger of thinking because you haven't done that, 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 that there's, there's an overall failure here. And that's, that's not good either. It's important to remind myself to be proud of and feel excited about the things I have done along the way, which yeah. sometimes you forget. And when I have a fan come up to me and share that I brought them so much laughter to their home like during covid or maybe like a relative was sick or they were sick and they watched me in the hospital or just thank me for the joy they brought to their house or themselves it's like i really had to like i i love to just like hear that and take that in and be like thank you and like remind myself like okay maybe you didn't think that that prank you pulled off with the thing worked out as well as it should have but like this was what it was about and like that's a beautiful thing to remember and here, like accept that in, but then you have to balance it with, because then you get haters who are going to say that, you know, it's this and you just, you want to keep your wall open, but not too open. So it's sort of like a little bit of a dance between those, like making myself feel happy about it, hearing the joy I am bringing and, and keeping that going and sort of blocking out the things that you don't need to hear or, or shouldn't worry about hearing, right? you know? So yeah, it's a, but it's something that I don't, I'm not a master at. And it's always like, just kind of having awareness of like, where am I taking it in? Where am I checking with myself? Where am I just going to deflect or not worry about that? And it's a constant ride of all those things. I would imagine just as a caveat to that, I was watching an interview with Adam Savage from the Mythbuster days. We yeah. got to speak to him a couple of years ago. He said something very similar. It's like, the most challenging thing as a public figure or as a celebrity, so to speak, which is such a polarizing term, but what you said, you know, the, the dance of keeping everything in check. Well, just know there's a nine-year-old in this house, a 30-year-old kid, nine-year-old who loves the wireless soda stream trick. I mean, that's just the cool, I mean, everything you did was awesome, but that was a fun one 
Michael, thanks for your time and your graciousness. I really appreciate you hanging out with me today. Thank you, Brett. Thank you so much for that. And uh, best of luck to you. And I hope to catch you in Colorado when I come on over there. Absolutely. Thanks for listening and being a part of today's conversation. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with a friend. It's absolutely free. A major proportion. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. And remember, we care.